fantastic about that. I got you, Ryan. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. It is good to be together. If you are new here this morning, we want to just extend a special welcome to you and say we are so glad that you're here and we'd love to meet you. After the service, there's a welcome uh, center just right behind you and one of our pastors will be there. Uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit personally, so we are just glad to have you with us. Uh, we want you to know that at Grace, we are a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. And that's a great reminder for all of us this morning. So just a few things that we want to make you aware of before we begin our service. Uh, first, on the little card that you have on your chair there, you should have um, a QR code printed. And that would be the way that you can get connected to the church, give us some information. If there's something you'd like to sign up to serve with, you can do that at the link at the QR code. So just know that that's available to you. Second, men, there are some exciting things coming up for you. Uh, first, uh, January 23rd, a Saturday morning, there's going to be a men's event here on campus, teaching uh, some food. That's going to be a great time. And then the following week, Friday the 29th, so the last Friday morning in January, Men of the Word is resuming on Friday morning. So uh, that's just um, going to start to meet regularly again, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, women, uh, there's some good stuff coming up for you as well. In fact, there is a uh, women's Bible study beginning on Thursday mornings, and there will be a child care available for that. That's going to start January 21st. Uh, also, want to let you know that for uh, the elementary age kids, we have some sermon notes available. So, kids, if you want to track along with what Pastor Mike is saying when he's preaching, we have something for you to do that. Uh, and then another note for all of us, uh, today is the day that we are confirming uh, the new deacons who will be serving the church. So, if you are a member and you're over the age of 18, or I should say 18 or over, uh, and you haven't responded to the email yet that you received on Friday, today is the day to do that. And then last note is this. This is exciting. Today, a group of us uh, from the church are just going out into the community to tell people about Jesus. So if you uh, are passionate about doing that kind of thing, we are going to be leaving here at 1 o'clock, and you are more than welcome to join. We'll meet in the parking lot at 12.50 and then take off. Uh, and with that, I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Mike, who has some exciting announcements for us. All right, Connor. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here under the tent. And I want to say welcome to those that are joining us on the live stream. So this week... You know, all the way through, we have been really sensitive as a group of elders on what's going on, how can we best glorify God, how can we best shepherd the flock and, and honor the Lord as we do it and obey the word and all of that. And so we have a new update we put out on, on Friday. You should have seen that in our email. Also, there's a card on your chairs there. And starting February 7th, and we just want to give you a few weeks of, of prep time here, but on Sunday mornings... We'll still have the tent services, we'll still have the live stream, but we'll also have some of our Bible classes that will meet outdoors. One has been meeting, second hour, but there'll be one or two first hour, one or two second hour, one or two third hour, and, and really it's third grade and up, because that's how it's been through COVID, and we, we love having the whole family together, all ages in worship, and what we're encouraging you to do is to be at church, two services on a Sunday morning. Many of you already do that, but to be at two, church, two services on a Sunday morning where you're in worship together as a household and then you go to a Bible class or you help out in some way. We've got parking ministry, ushers, greeters, teaching kids and things like that. And then for kids, there'll be uh, second grade and under, there'll be classes, all three services. So there's something for the whole family, every service. And just want to encourage you. Uh, thank you for being such a great flock that follows the word of God and prays for your leaders. And I know as we're 
you know, going through navigating these times. It's not always easy, but we thank you for uh, your support and your help and, and your partnership in the gospel and in ministry. And just make sure you keep track of this. It's not starting until February 7th, and we'll have those classes outdoors. Nursery and preschool, though, will be indoors. There's a cohort guidance for that, and I know that'll be good for some of the younger families to have their kids uh, in, a, in a bit of a cooler, uh, excuse me, not as cold environment uh, during these cold winter months. So anyway, thank you. God bless all of you, and keep praying for our gospel ministry as it goes forth here and uh, out in the community and to the ends of the earth. Thanks. Exciting stuff. Well, we want to uh, begin our service this morning by reading from God's Word. So uh, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 18, and if you're able, would you stand with me? Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. This is God's Word. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And Lord, we thank you this, this morning that we can come to you as our stronghold, our fortress, our deliverer, our shield. We thank you that you are perfectly trustworthy and faithful to all of your promises. And Lord, as we worship you this morning, we ask that you would remind us of your love towards us, your kindness with us. Would you uh, open our eyes to see you and fill our hearts with love for you. And we pray all that in Christ's name. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning is going to come from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. You can turn there now with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Pastor Mike will be preaching these in just a moment. And if you're there with me, we will remain standing as we read out of honor for God and his word. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. You may be seated. And in just a moment, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. But before we do, I just want to mention that today as we pray, we're going to pray for one of our missionary families, the buyers. The buyers serve in Germany, bringing the gospel to men and women and children there. So as we pray, we'll pray for them and for their ministry. Let's, um, let's go to the Lord together. Father, we come to you today so thankful that through Christ we can come into your presence. Lord, we don't deserve for a second the opportunity to speak to you, the, the holy God who created this world. Lord, it's an incredible thing that we could be here before you and know you in a relationship of, of love, but we thank you that through Christ we can. Lord, we praise you this morning for who you are. We thank you that you are holy, just, good, sovereign, unchanging, eternal. Lord, there is no God like you, and you're the one true God. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for the way that your character anchors our souls. Lord, we know that you are a sure place to set our eyes and a a firm anchor for our souls. Lord, we are in many ways um, burdened this morning. Lord, we're saddened by the sin in our own lives. We confess to you that even this week, Lord, in so many ways we've fallen short, far short of what you would desire from us in our actions, in our thoughts, in our desires. Lord, we don't honor you the way that we should. And Lord, we're burdened also by the, the sins that are taking place in our nation and in the world at large. Lord, there's just, there's so much evidence of the fall all around us, and it's in us as well. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning needing the peace that can only come through Christ. Lord, we pray for mercy for all of the ways that we failed you, and we thank you that Jesus died so that you can extend us mercy. Lord, we thank you that in him we have total forgiveness. All sin is done away with. It's removed from us as far as the east is from the west, and we stand blameless before you this morning. Lord, we praise you for these things. We worship you, and Lord, we want to 
also pray for the buyers this morning. We thank you for their ministry in Germany. Lord, we ask that these very things, the hope that's in Christ through his shed blood, that these truths would echo loudly through their ministry. Lord, we ask that you would bring souls to Christ, and we pray for them, that you would encourage them, that you would uh, lift them up if they are tired, uh, weak in any way. Lord, that you would be with their family and continue to provide for them, uh, protect them. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing through them there. And Lord, this morning as we, as we now uh, hear from your word shortly, we just pray that its truth would sink deep into our souls and cause us to love Jesus more. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
Heavenly Father, it is our desire this morning that we come before the throne, that we would see the risen Lamb more clearly, that you would reveal to us this Christ crucified and yet risen and reigning. We ask this all, we pray this all by his blood and in his name. Amen. morning, everyone. I am so thankful for Grace Church of Orange and your hunger for the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired, inerrant, infallible, it's authoritative, it is binding on our consciences. It is also like this sledgehammer. I brought my sledgehammer today. The Word of God is like a sledgehammer. In Jeremiah 23, 29, it says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? The word of God is like a sledgehammer in that it smashes our idols. And it smashes our imaginations of false things. And it smashes all the things that we might insinuate against God. And if we will yield to it, the Spirit of God will have his way in our hearts and we'll be pleasing to him. And so the word of God really is like a hammer. And, and when we look at, in Ecclesiastes, and we've been in Ecclesiastes now for, for eight chapters, and we've gone chapter after chapter, and Solomon is, is making observations. Just observation after observation after observation. But now when you come with me here to the last four chapters in Ecclesiastes. And we, we start in chapter 9 today. He is now declaring what is. He is now not just, you know, looking and saying, well, let me describe what's going on. No, now he's saying, I'm going to declare to you the way that you are to go because of what's going on, because of the way the world is, because of the way our hearts are, because God is so awesome and so great. And today, in this first six verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we are going to see the hand of God, the mighty hand of God that wields the sledgehammer of the word. And we're also going to see the hearts of man. And so if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And, and the passage gives us our outline. First, we see the hand of God. And second, we see the hearts of man. Consider with me first the hand of God. And here is how chapter 8 ended. Solomon is saying, I saw all the work of God. I saw all of it. I'm observing. I'm describing. Man cannot find out what God will do. We're, we're to surrender to God's sovereign sufficiency. But then chapter 9 begins this way. All this I laid to heart. All the work of God I laid to heart. I examined it all. And here is his summation up to this point. Everything is in the hands of God. The hand of God, the mighty hand of God. Strength, sovereignty, the goodness of God. He says in verse 1, whether it's love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. We don't know what's coming next in life. You don't know what's coming next in life. 
You can plan and you can try to figure things out, but, but you don't know what's coming in five minutes. But God does know. Everything is in the hand of God. This signifies the mighty power of God. This signifies the sovereignty of God, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the hand of God. You see the hand of God in the Old Testament. You see it in Exodus. You see it in Deuteronomy. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 33 it begins this way. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Verse 3, Yes, he loved his people. God loves his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. And you see this phrase, in his hand. They followed in his steps. They received direction from him. We're all in the hand of God. We're to follow his steps. We're to receive direction from his word. This speaks to the person who acknowledges God. This is the person who, who knows they're in the hand of God. And they love that they're in the hand of God. And they're not trying to, you know, squirm out of the hand of God. What, what do we do? We want to be God. We want to get our way. We want to plan our life. We want to determine. We want to decide. And what you find out, one of the first things you find out and you open up a Bible is you find out God's in control. God made the world. God made me. He's mighty. He, his hand is powerful. Verse 2. He says it's the same for all. The same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. And you have these contrasts, the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice, to the one who says, I worship God, to the one who says, I don't want God. The same event happens to them. Death. Here we are again. Some of you might be saying, why does Mike keep talking about death? Because God's talking about death. And because the only way you can learn how to live rightly is to understand your death and understand that there is a day coming when you will not be here on earth anymore and you will be dead and out of the way. They'll cart you off. They'll bury you. They'll burn you. They'll do whatever they do. They'll, they'll honor you. They'll... They'll remember your life, and a week later, someone will say, oh, they're not here. You'll be forgotten. Some of, some of you are trying so hard to be remembered, and I want to write something that everyone will remember and quote. I want to preach the sermon that everyone goes, oh, you've got to hear this one. Oh, I, I want to invent the, the thing, the gadget that everyone uses. And, and you're trying hard to make a name for yourself, even in your realm, even in among your constituents, even just among your family or friends. And what you find out is you're going to be forgotten. We've seen it before in Ecclesiastes. But the same event happens to the righteous, to the wicked, to the good, to the evil, to the clean, to the unclean, to him who sacrifices, him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. As he who swears, as, as he who shuns an oath. Now that's, that's a confusing statement. We need to drill down on this one. What does that mean? He who swears is as he who shuns an oath. 
A lot of us would say, well, I don't want to be the one who swears, so I think I'm the one that shuns the oath. That's the opposite. That's not the, the, the truth here is that it's he who swears to, to hold to the covenant of God, the one who promises to be under the hand of God, that acknowledges God and says, his covenant promises are what I will uh, pledge allegiance to, and I will obey his authoritative word. It's many of you, many of you, that you're a believer in Jesus, and you're like, my whole life is about Christ and scripture. And that the scriptures reveal Christ to me. And, and we know God specifically through scripture. He who swears is he who shuns the oath. The, the one who shuns the oath is the one who says, I don't want God. I don't want his covenant promises. I don't want the word of God. And what Solomon is saying is that the good and the evil, clean and unclean, everyone, people who follow the word of God, people who don't, they're all going to die. Everyone's going to die. And, and the point you see here first is that God's the one that decrees destinies. God is the one who decides. You know, we want to decide. We want to be the determiner. And what you find out just early on, again, reading your Bible, what you find out is that God is the one who decrees destinies. God is the one that decides outcomes because it's his mighty hand that we are under. His loving hand, his gracious hand, his merciful hand. His hand. Allegiance to God's word of truth. Many of you say, I believe the word of God. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins in my place. He's my substitute at the cross. He, he shed his blood in my place. And I, I know that the Bible is very clear about this and that to come to faith in Christ is to understand how to live because you die to yourself and live to Christ. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, you're in Christ because of God's doing. He decreed it. He decided. And you yielded your heart to him, and you are following him, and you're following his word, and you're living under his hand, his mighty hand. But then there's those moments when you hear something, and it sounds, it sounds good. It sounds maybe tantalizing even. It sounds, it sounds right, and it also makes you feel good. And oftentimes, you hear something under, the, under the, the guise of, well, this is from the Word of God, and what you find is it's a half-truth that's really a lie. That's how Ben Franklin put it, that sometimes half the truth is often a great lie. And there's a lot of people right now who hear things about God's Word, and they say, well, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And what they find is it's because now they get to be in control. Now they get to call the shots about God. Now they get to say, oh, yes, the church for thousands of years has read the Bible wrong, and now I, I have an author I hold to that has told me what I want to hear, and my, my ears got tickled by it, and I agreed with it. And now, and this is what a lot of people would say, even who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not in for the sovereignty of God. Or I'm a Christian, I'm not really in for the authority of the Scriptures. Or I'm not really in for inerrancy or, or authority of God's Word and what they're doing is saying, no, someone else knows better than God. I'm so thankful that this church is founded on the word of God and we want the word straight up as it is, as it is read, as, as God spoke it, and handled accurately and not twisted. You know, we take our little, our little sledgehammers and we 
we go to work, we go to town, we, you know, get, you just get out of my way. I, I'm, I'm cutting through the brush with my sledgehammer. And, and what will, people will do is they'll say, no, the Bible's not true there or there or there. And people will say, I don't believe that Jesus is really God. I think he's just a, a good moral teacher. Uh, people will say, I don't think the Bible's really true. I think it just has some, uh, some good maxims to live by. And what people will do is they'll take their little sledgehammer which can't do a lot of work, but can do some damage around them. And they will say, you know what? I'm just going to smash that out of my way so I don't have to worry about it. And when someone rejects the word of God, it is always a moral issue. It's never an intellectual issue. It might be a smokescreen. Oh, I've moved beyond what the church has historically believed. That's what a lot of people will say now. And they'll put the smokescreen of intellectual descent up. And it's always a moral issue. They've, they've been given permission to do what God says not to do. They've been given permission to, to think and to say what God says not to think and say. And we take our little sledgehammers and we do this kind of damage and we twist the scriptures. And we do need to be under the word of God and we do need to be under the mighty hand of God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter 5, and while you're there, while you're going there, let me just say that you read in Deuteronomy 33 that all God's people were in his hand. And then you come to the New Testament, and Jesus in Luke starts saying this, you know, oh, you are accusing me of doing what I'm doing in the devil's power? And he says, if, if it's by the finger of God and the finger of God is synonymous with the hand of God. And, and Matthew calls it the spirit of God. And the spirit of God spoke the word of God and, and gives us the word. And it's mighty and it's powerful. And then you come to 1 Peter chapter 5. And there's a verse I've quoted so many times to so many people. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And casting there means to to put the burden on the one who can handle it. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. But it's part of a larger sentence. And I want you to back up and look at verse 6 with me. Because verse 6 points you to verse 7. But you don't really take verse 7 quite right unless you get verse 6 right. Now Peter is writing to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Christians that had been spread out because of persecution throughout the whole known world at that point. And he is speaking to people who, as he put it, you've, God has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he gets to near the end of chapter 5, and he says this, humble yourselves. This is right after he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The proud that doesn't bow before the word of God. The proud that are not humble, but they are arrogant towards God. He says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore. Put yourself under the mighty hand of God. He says that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God that saves and sanctifies as God decrees, as God chooses, as God wills. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you. And you may read that wrong. You may say, yeah, like tomorrow morning, I will 
God will exalt me by giving me a promotion. Or, you know, later on today, God will exalt me by showing me to be correct to all my family and friends and all my views that I'm spouting off. That's not what this verse means. At the proper time is at the return of Christ when, when he will, we will gather his church together. That's the proper time that he will exalt you, that he will put you with him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And until that day, cast all your cares upon him. Cast all your worries upon him. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. You who are placing your faith in Christ, you who are trusting the finished work of Christ, you who are under the mighty hand of God. Resting there. Not squirming out from underneath. Just being in Christ. Letting Christ be your sufficiency. Letting Christ be your all. The first in this passage, we see the hand of God. Allegiance to the word of truth and holding fast. This is what Jude 3 tells us. Hold fast to the faith once for all delivered. The faith once for all delivered in the vehicle of the written word of God, the living and abiding word of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 that Jesus holds all things together by the word of his power. His mighty hand. And he has spoken. He's spoken truth we need. And that word is like a sledgehammer. Smashing our idolatries, smashing our idiosyncrasies, smashing our imaginations that run wild on us and smashing false teaching. And so when you move to the next part of this passage, verses 3 through 6, you see the heart of man. In verse 3, it says, this is an evil and all that is done under the sun. The same event happens to all. Everyone dies. Even those who promise allegiance to God's covenant word all die. Also, he says, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. And then he goes on. Madness. Just craziness. We're not just depraved. We are deliriously idolatrous. We go out of our minds with idolatry. We talk ourselves into all sorts of things. That's why we need the word of God to set us straight. That's why we need to go to Christ again and again and again and to open our Bibles day after day after day and to read it and believe it Obey it. We're sinfully depraved. We're deliriously idolatrous. The hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. We're sinfully depraved. We're deliriously idolatrous, and then we die. We get carted off. We get put in a box or an urn. But go on with me. Verse 4. He who is joined to the living has hope. What that means is if you're still alive today, you woke up this morning, you're here under the tent, or you're watching in the live stream, you're still alive. There is hope for you to repent and believe and obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I quote this verse a lot, but it's Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And I've quoted this so many times, I can't remember how many times I've quoted it. I've always focused on this part. Once to die and then the judgment. You're going to die 
Turn to Christ while you're living because there's no second chance after death. But the part of this verse that, that needs the most attention is the first part of the verse. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. It is appointed by God Almighty. It is appointed by the one who wields the sword of the Spirit. It is appointed by the one whose hand is mighty. It is appointed unto you and I to live and then die and then experience judgment. That's why I would say to everyone hearing these words that if you do not know the, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that the Bible is open for you to read and see what it says about him. And he's not just a good moral teacher. And the Bible's not just filled of good maxims to live by, but Jesus is God Almighty, and the Bible is absolutely true and eternal and authoritative, and it is binding on your conscience. And when you hear that Jesus died and rose again on your behalf, that he shed his blood in your place, your substitute at the cross, that when you hear those words, the only thing to do is to repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus, to believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved, to say, this is what I've been missing in my life. I've been looking for so many other things in life. I've been looking to make a name for myself. I've been wanting to be a god. I've been wanting to, to engage in as much idolatry as I could. But now, in light of who Jesus is, I was blind and now I see. I believe in the Lord Jesus. I hope that's your testimony. I hope that's true about you. That you say, I'm under the mighty hand of God. Yes, I know I'm depraved. And I know we die because we sin. We caused our own deaths. We, you can't say, oh, it's Adam's fault. You, a lot of you would say, no, that's not fair. I had no choice in the matter. Well, you want to be God. God decrees, God decides. We cause our own death. We die because we sin. And, and this is operator error all the way through. We are the ones at fault. I am the one to blame for my own death. Verse 4, he who is joined to the, all the living has hope. It's appointed that a man wants to die and then the judgment. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. That was written in a day when dogs were not good. Now, we love our dogs, we care for our dogs, we hate our cats, but we love our dogs. Sorry, cat people. A lion is a cat, though. A lion is a big cat. Jesus is the lion of Judah. You got me there, okay? The living dog is better than a dead lion. In a time when the lion, the regal lion, the royal lion, that, you want to be the lion. But if you're dead, you're just a carcass. If you're a dog and you're alive, that's better than a dead lion. In verse 5, the living know that they will die. The dead know nothing. You're gone. You're out. You're gone. And they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. They forgot all about you a week and a half later. You wanted to be remembered, but most of us will not. Only by our family and friends and those who care for us most. But even our family and friends who care for us most, we're not going to be front of mind on a daily basis. Nor would it be good. Verse 6, their love, their hate, their envy. All perished, you die, all that's gone. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. And what you notice is that there's this contrast in this passage between open hearts that receive God's provision 
and prosper spiritually and closed hard hearts that reject God's provision and perish. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that whoever rejects the son, they're under judgment, they're under condemnation, they're going to perish unless they repent and believe. It's appointed unto you once to die and then the judgment. Once you die, they will know there will not be any second chance. We're sinfully depraved. We're deliriously idolatrous. We die. We're going to die. And we're, we're, in, we're in a realm right now where we're in the Romans 1 days. Romans 1. What does it tell us? Romans 1, 21. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. We are in Romans 1 days. We are in Matthew chapter 24 days. In Matthew chapter 24. Verse 4. Jesus said, do, do not let anyone lead you astray. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, they will lead many astray. There are a lot of false Christs in the world. There are a lot of false ideas that people are following. Don't be the one who takes the half-truth. That's a total lie. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. They will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this will take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are but the beginning of the birth pangs. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then, these are the days we're living in right now, and then many will fall away and betray one another in the body of Christ and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Have you started believing some half-lies? A little bit of truth mixed in with lies, it's, it's a big lie. Have you started to see your love grow cold for the body of Christ or for Christ in Scripture? This is the days in which we're living in. We're going to die, and we need to die well. And if you want to die well, you need to live well. And if you're going to live well, you need to acknowledge the mighty hand of God. You need to acknowledge God Almighty. You need to acknowledge Him in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in your place for your sins, for your life. You need to obey God's word, swear allegiance, promise allegiance to God's covenant word. This is urgent. It is urgent to acknowledge God. It is urgent to obey the word of God. It is also urgent to proclaim God's word of truth. You know, every week, as a church, we say something. They're not just words. 
And sometimes when you say something over and over again, it cements itself in your heart. And sometimes when you say something over and over again, it loses its punch. It loses its power. Every week, we say we are a Christ-centered community. If you're part of Grace Church, do you realize you're a part of a community of people that is centered on Jesus Christ? And when we stray, we go back to Christ. When we stray, we go back to the Word of God. We're a Christ-centered community. And we know we sin. We, we know we do. You know, we're, we're not saved from the presence of sin yet. We're saved from the power and penalty of sin in Christ. But we know we wander, and we need each other to help each other come on back to Christ and to the Word of God. We say this. We say we're a Christ-centered community. Intent. Intent urgent about proclaiming the gospel, about making disciples, about sacrificially serving Jesus. This, these are not just mere words. It's what we said we are about as a church. And it's very interesting. We lead off with proclaiming the gospel. To proclaim it, not just to say, well, I'm going to go and be a good example at my work. Not just to say, I, I'm going to tell someone that they need to you know, follow Jesus, but I'm not going to tell them anything else. Or just say yes to Jesus, but I won't tell you why you should say no to sin. Or I'm just going to you know, give as much as I can without you know, getting kicked out. I think the world is a lot more open to hearing the gospel than many of us are Claiming the gospel. To our shame, but also, it's appointed that a man wants to die in the judgment. We're still breathing, we're still alive. How many times did we say in the last year, we can do better? That person can do better. We can do better on this. We can trust the Lord to give us strength and boldness and clarity to proclaim the gospel in all the places. He has given us to do that. Now, we are sinfully depraved and we are deliriously idolatrous. And what happens is we take out our little sledgehammer and instead of proclaiming the gospel, we like to give all of our social views. Well, we like to give all of our political views. We even like to give twisted theological views. Or we like to give our moral views. And I want to challenge you to major on the gospel. What do you think of when you wake up in the morning? Are you thinking of cars and houses and boats and people and things that you need to set straight? Or is, the, is front of mind for you, front of heart and mind, Jesus and the gospel? I've got a breath in my lungs and I want to serve God's kingdom purposes today. May that be true of us. May that be true of you and I. That we wouldn't go down the low road of just sharing our ideas all the time and it's going to fall to the ground. God says, my word will not return void without accomplishing what I sent it forth to do. And as God's word goes out through all of you and me and, and our households, into our neighborhoods and in the community and to the ends of the earth as God gives us opportunity to travel again, 
May they be hearing gospel truth. And, that, and may our lives not pull out the rug from underneath the word they hear. Last thing I want is for one of my neighbors to say to me, you know, Mike, what you just said to me about the gospel is not how you live. Now, I would say, I'm sorry that I've given a bad example, but what I said was true, but I, I sure don't want to put a roadblock in the way of those who need the truth. Look, this is about the hand of God. This is about the heart of man. The Bible tells me to pray for politicians, not denounce them. The Bible tells me to denounce false teaching. The Bible tells me to proclaim the gospel. The Bible tells me to repent and keep repenting. You know what this passage is really saying to us? God decrees, we destroy. You know what that points us to? Christ. We must depend on Christ. God decrees, we destroy, we must depend on Christ. The mighty God, for his word is true. The mighty God who is coming back. Lord, thank you for your grace to us. You are so kind to us. You are so patient with us. May our thoughts and our words make a difference for gospel purposes. May, may our little sledgehammers get put away and thrown away and smashed by the, the true strength of the word of God. May we never twist the truth, but may we, may we be under the truth and may we bring the truth to those that are so in need of it. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us. We pray earnestly, we pray frequently that, that the public ministry of this church would be very effective because we are privately praying for that to be so. May, may you be glorified. May you be honored. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible tells us that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup at the Lord's table, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here's an opportunity right now in our own hearts to proclaim the truth that we have privilege to proclaim in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and amongst the church, and with any who will listen. We are proclaiming truth that Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins. And we're acknowledging that we are not free from the, from the presence of sin yet, but our hope is in Christ, the anchor for our soul, and we are free in Christ. Everyone who's a believer in Jesus is free from the power of sin and the penalty, the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We come to the Lord's table now, and it's a table for believers only. You don't have to be a member of this church, just a believer in the Lord Jesus who's under the hand of God, who acknowledges their sin and acknowledges his perfection and acknowledges the gospel truth of Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. Jesus didn't stay buried. He rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended to the Father. He promised to return. He is coming back. Paul even said, 
So often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He went on to say, anyone who eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and blood of Christ. In an unworthy manner means that if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you're not under Christ, if you're not acknowledging him and wanting to follow him, then you're trampling upon what he has done. Don't make a mockery. Just worship Jesus. If you're a believer, worship the Lord Jesus Christ as we remember what he has done. Paul told us too in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this simple table to remember your broken body, your shed blood on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, that you rose from the dead. Thank you that you are God Almighty. Thank you that you are coming again. And I thank you, Lord, that we can proclaim your, your death and resurrection until you come again. Our hearts cry out, come, Lord Jesus. And until that time, Lord, may we live under you, under the sovereign Savior, under your sovereign sufficiency. May we serve your purposes. May we speak gospel truth. May we live gospel truth. May we honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand if you're able as we respond, singing boldly, I approach.
so good to us to allow us to come together as we close we read 1 Thessalonians 5 23 and 24 now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it and Lord we thank you and praise you for your work of grace and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are at work in us to will and do your good pleasure. May you be glorified in and through our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.